0: Howdy. My name is Zeke. I'm here with Rick Edelstein, who is lead developer and CEO of Cicada Security Technologies. Are you sure? I think so. Last I heard. Yeah, (laughs) you gave me one of your business cards. Yeah, okay. How would you describe Cicada?
1: Well, Cicada is a technology which protects uh, information and assets from uh, physical threats, such as theft or tamper. Um, to the consumer, this is a technology that uh, is appealing because it protects you from buying a new laptop if somebody attempts to steal your computer. And for anybody in the enterprise, government, or any sector which is concerned about the protection of private data, and individuals too, the Cicada instantly disassociates your uh, access from, uh, from your confidential information the moment that threat is detected. Sounds very cool. We're here
0: today with today's uh, Cicada Securing Podcast. What are we talking about today?
1: Well, today we're going to hit off on two things. Um, one, is, well, one of them is an article that was on American Public Media's Marketplace, um, which is about the growing art of data dodging. And uh, I'll go more into the details of what data dodging is in a moment. And the other one was from a very uh, interesting uh, website, which is called the Autonomous Nonprofit Organization. And they have um, they published an, uh, a podcast on December 5th, well, a video podcast on their website, uh, which is Everyone in the US is Under Virtual Surveillance, and this was an interview with a former uh, person who's been in the NSA, and he's talking about uh, everything he seems to know about how much information is actually being collected about you. So, um, we're going to start off with a uh, bit about the uh, NSA whistleblower. And uh, this guy's name's uh, William Binney, and uh, he um, he's going on saying how that um, the NSA for years has been uh, collecting every bit of email that traverses uh, uh, every uh, network in the U.S. uh, and stores it into this multi you know multi I don't know how many byte uh, Google byte uh, database and uh, uses it for whatever purposes they deem. Um, necessary or basically as a person of interest, I would guess. And it's quite a quite an interesting interview. I don't know how much credence I actually give it, because given the fact of how many different possible routes email can actually traverse, so trying to collect every email that goes through any part of the internet, I think is a fool's errand. Um, and unless you're in every tier one internet connection in the world, or you know, you're or in the U.S. rather, you. You know the actual means to collect this, and the amount of backhaul you're going to need to collect all this data, this information, is just mind-boggling. And uh, so, you know, I know that the technologies are out there. Um, years ago, we used to work with a company called, I it was and uh, what they did is they had a technology that was spun out of the NSA for the um, public sector, uh, private sector and it was a tool that would go through, it would be promiscuous mode data collection, and it would allow um, employers to be able to monitor for key terms or uh, terms specific to your company secrets or um, things related to race, racism, hate crime, sexism, sexual harassment, and it would be able to identify this, and the concept here was that policy precedes uh, privacy, and if you violate policy, then you've lost your right to privacy. If you had a human being intercepting this, then it would be a gross violation of privacy. However, if you have an automated system which is identifying policy violations and reporting these, then it's technically, according to them, correct because you haven't viol- uh, your, policy, your privacy hasn't been violated until the policy was broken. And so we know that the systems back years ago, we had Echelon during the Cold War, and now you know much more complicated automated intelligence systems. And what Mr. Vinny here seems to be alluding to is that these automated systems have become very complex, and the amount of storage uh, and network uh, capacity that the NSA has is sufficient to be able to capture information on everybody don't know if I necessarily buy it, but there is a feasible uh, element to this. Even how much
0: data Google is storing, how much data uh, Microsoft is storing, just the internet archive itself, I've not put it past anybody.
1: Well, that's a great lead-in to the, uh, to the next bit I was going to talk about, which is American Public Media's um, article on the growing art of data dodging. And what uh, they're talking about here is how much information is collected and stored about your use of the Internet, your browsing history, your shopping history, the etc. It's, uh, it's absolutely astronomical. And uh, so what they're saying here is that, you know, you go to a website um, and... Uh, uh, you you go to you know you just type a search uh, for let's say you want to go a trip New York to Miami and you do a search for it uh, just go to a search site you're going to have 18 companies now tracking you and then once you've entered your flight details you now have 37 companies additional tracking you. And then you you know it comes down to the it comes down to the old saying which is if you don't know what the product is chances are it's you mm-hmm. and so this is basically this uh, ta- they uh, talk they about a company a website called Ghostery, g h o s t e r y dot and what this company Ghostery is doing is they're basically doing. Um, sanitization of, of your digital data so that you know these cookies and uh, trackers are being, uh, being basically denied access and uh, so I decided to try it out. I installed it and I started going to my LinkedIn and uh, doing my various activities throughout the day and what I start seeing is I start seeing you know this inventory list pop up on the right corner of the screen of exactly how many trackers are coming up and it's it's really mind boggling and some of the stuff of course you've never heard of but it, it really it uh, you know we have everything from yahoo linkedin bing google who are you know collecting this information? They're using it for um, targeted marketing, building a demographic about the particular user, and it's really um, it's really quite surprising. So, you know, bottom line, coming back to the statement, you want pri- you know you think this pr- element of privacy in your digital world? Think again.
0: No, it's, I never think that da- My way of getting around the data stuff is I use two uh, multiple browsers. Because I realize that the one for email, for LinkedIn, for uh, on you know, Facebook, and so on. They are obviously tracking. Right. And so at which point now, if they don't track, them, I can't get in because you got to do the whole. You got to identify yourself to do it. Sure. For the stuff that I don't want associated with me. I use a completely different browser, which, yes, there will be cookies on it, but it doesn't get associated back to me personally, my account, that anyone... Well,
1: you know, I'll tell you, that's a great practice. I mean, that probably works really well, and I mean, of course, to some degree that you're comfortable with, but I just go by the the premise that I don't do anything that I wouldn't be ashamed of doing, right? Um, Or that I wouldn't want anybody to know about. I mean, uh, I'm very transparent, so... You know, this, I don't really have many secrets. No, the, the, as you say, if you don't
0: know what the product is, then you're the product. Right. It's the sort of thing that one of the reasons I do it is because I don't want to give the value add right. to, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, to the Gazette.
1: And you so know, there, their stock's going to plummet just because you do that. It's
0: not going to plummet,
1: but it's just. No, I mean, no, I up. But
0: no. it's that whole, it's, to me, it's not so much that there's anything I do that I'm ashamed. And for that, I'm not. It's. No, actually, I, I understand. I, I think there are two websites I've been to. I
1: don't want anybody to know about. And those are? <laughs> All right, fine. Anyways, regardless, the point yeah, the point is is, you know, it's uh, the prevalence of turning the user into the product. Every time you click that, you know, allow or um, you know, that permission screen or download that free software, you know that that, that nobody does it for free there's obviously some value yes. that they derive from it and so you know when i when i talk to people who offer who are offering these free services i say so what is what's your product i mean where's the revenue stream and you got you start thinking about where's the revenue stream each time you click on something that's free or you know no charge, whatever you or contest. You, you realize that there's a there's a trade off. And, and for me it's not even so much the free stuff that
0: they withdraw for the contest and so on. There's also the sort of thing I'm realizing okay, so that I'm looking at these restaurants and then uh, two minutes later, I'm looking at these bus routes and then there's somebody who has a rather powerful program that can then link, say, okay, so then these are the restaurants which somebody wants to uh, take a bus to, these are the restaurants which somebody wants parking for, so therefore, how can we make it so that, okay, so let's sell this information to these parking lots so that they can then raise their rates or something along those lines. lines. But it's that sort of linking, so it's like my Google uh, search history, has been off for, I think, since they invented it. Mm. There you go. That mm-hmm. is not To me, multiple browsers is one easy, relatively simple way to go because everybody keeps open multiple But Even
1: packs. if you do use multiple browsers, there's nothing to say that there's trackers on your system that are monitoring your other browser activity through Google or Mozilla or whatever. PowerPoint. Possibly it seems like
0: I could look into that to the computer and go find out, but it's right. Just, there's so much that I don't want to add to
1: their stock price versus how much I
0: really want to be paranoid.
1: You know, uh, well, we were talking back a few weeks ago, we were talking about an article on Eugene Kaspersky and how um, the Kaspersky program has the ability to capture what it consider, considers suspect information and encrypt it and send it back to their command and control center for analysis. But you never will know what actual information was taken slurped off your computer and sent to that site. I mean, you know, and people are blind to this. They they put in the things like Kaspersky and they say, All right, I'm putting in a security program that does antivirus. Yet it may be taking information that could be very confidential or financial or whatever in nature and sending it to a command and control site which you don't know where it is, you don't know what information has been sent. You know, if this is a company that's in security, you have a relative level of trust. But, you know, what if it's somebody else who's doing stuff like this and sending it, you know, stealing personal information, banking information, logins, whatever. Oh, you know, just like the most recent James Bond film, a rogue agent who was from a
0: secure and safe place. Did you see it? Yes. I didn't like it. I, I quite liked it.
1: I, did, I felt it wasn't a true Bond film. Um, they, never, they haven't been since 1968. Yeah, well, I mean, you went to a Bond film because you had a suave debonair, uh, private, a secret agent. Uh, You had the woman, the gadgets, the evil villain. And this time, the evil, evil villain was, you know, this metrosexual bizarre kind Actually, of I, like I just like that opening chase on the motorcycles on the moves uh, that uh, was very cool alright cool. I admit that but it, yeah, I find it's trying to morph more towards the Mission Impossible the Bourne Identity type stuff it's trying to become more of an action adventure and we're losing a lot of the original Bond franchise they're,
0: they're, it's, I haven't seen Mission Impossible Bourne Identity so at which point it's fine by me but to me it's, it's, it's just to come back to the data uh, which one that data dodging and so on it is where in, in the James Bond film it was somebody who had been trusted, who then was no longer trusted, but still had uh, all the abilities that came with it. So you take somebody right. like uh, Wachmanov, the next CEO of Google, or their next VPO of operations, mm-hmm. and then suddenly uh he goes to the dark side.
1: Uh-oh. Yeah. Yeah. And all the secret access to all this information. Yeah. Anyways, we're off track. But, anyways, that's uh, that's it for no, today's no, podcast. As far as, far as yeah. the
0: which the thing you should go to archive.org because there, I think it, what is it, it costs them $10. they are trying to raise funds, and I think it costs them $10 for a head of height. Really? And, uh, and I think then they say that they go through something
1: like 50,000, yeah, 3 million people per day searching the site
0: uh-huh. <laughs> no but they had to so there there's one pop-up or one uh, banner which says what they what the amount of data that they deal with right which is just a phenomenal amount and so that's why I wouldn't worry I wouldn't be surprised if the US government had the ability the archive uh, archive.org can right then the government probably has a little bit more money than they you think did. just a little bit all right uh-huh. I
1: believe it okay anyways thank you for joining us. Thank you very much and we'll speak to you later. Ciao. Sure.